0: Hello again, everybody. It's Mike Petralia, and it's episode 228 of Patriot Speed on the CLNS Media Network. You can find us at www.clnsmedia.com. Follow us on Twitter, at CLNS Media, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash CLNS Media. Speaking of our website... The all-new CLNS Media website is launched at clnsmedia.com. That's now the home of this podcast and also over 40 other podcasts and vidcasts in the world of sports finance, comedy and yes, lifestyles. We are very excited to have this very show featured on the new CLNS media website. Support our network by checking out this episode at clnsmedia.com, that is c l n s media. My pleasure in episode 228 of the Patriots Beat to welcome Zach Cox, Patriots reporter for Nesson.com. He does an outstanding job breaking it all down along with Doug Kide and the uh, group over at Nesson.com. Zach, welcome.
1: Thank you, Craig. Happy to be here.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, we've got quite a bit to talk about in this uh, now annual Patriots bye week before the playoffs begin. Uh, the Patriots, mm-hmm. first of all, looking to do some self-scouting as they head into the playoffs. You're Bill Belichick, Zach. What are you scouting on your own team the most and what gives you the most pause for concern going forward?
1: Well, I think one of the biggest things about this week is just kind of getting a, a handle on which players are actually gonna, going to be healthy enough to play right. in this um in in this divisional round game next week because they're obviously very short-handed on offense um this past week against the jets when with with no no rex burkhead no mike gillisley no james white no chris hogan and then you you had even even over on the defensive side uh Kyle van noy played but he he what did he only have like 12 or 15 snaps in that game a handful you don't know if he's still a little bit banged up yeah and if it weren't for yeah if
0: it weren't for Landon Roberts getting dinged up late in the game he would have probably gotten even fewer than that
1: yep exactly so I'm sure they have a better sense than than all of us in the media do but I think a lot of a lot of this week is going to be spent kind of seeing who's going to be out there next weekend and then kind of being able to craft the uh the game plan uh to tailor that but it definitely helped them a lot the fact that they're that they don't have to play on this sunday especially with some of the guys like, like I, I would say james white's probably healthier than um than, a, than an expert head or a uh, a mike gill so he, he's been practicing but just like getting a getting a good sense of, of who they'll have out there next weekend
0: so let me ask you point blank you have any concerns about tom brady's sharpness going into the playoffs
1: I don't. Ha- I wouldn't say I'm concerned about it, but it has been. It's a little bit of an alarming trend, I guess you can say, lately. Just because it's been going on for really a month and a half now. You know, the the basically the last six weeks of the season, he's had a uh, he had interceptions in all of those game or he didn't have an interception in this past game. But even in this past game, he didn't look particularly sharp. Um, yeah, it's, it's a little strange. I still think he's going to win the uh, NFL MVP, so it's hard to say that. Right. He definitely hasn't had a bad season by by any regard, but but yeah, the, I'm, I'm really wondering if his how how much of a factor that Achilles injury is, especially the fact that it was he was taken off the injury report a couple weeks ago, and then put back onto it. So he doesn't look fully 100 percent or fully right right now, and I don't know if that's injury related, if that's fatigue related, if that's just teams kind of game planning better for the Patriots, but. I
0: don't
1: know. What's
0: what's your take on that situation? So here, here's my take. I don't think he has the sharpness and the accuracy that I think we're used to seeing from Tom Brady, especially with throws deep and over the middle. And I mm-hmm. absolutely got taken to the woodshed for saying that he may have overthrown Brandon Cooks in that post route early in the game on Sunday against the Jets. My initial read on that ball was without the benefit of replay. And I saw in the replay that it looked like either Hooks, uh, Cooks hesitated uh, at the end of the route or or may have mm-hmm. slowed up a little bit, but it still didn't look like Tom's throw was like pinpoint accurate for a guy that had his his man beat by a couple of strides. There are other balls that I think he's been throwing because he, he tries to... Do a, and I think he does a masterful job. This is one of the things that makes him Tom Brady. Um, he does a great job of putting the ball where only his guy can get it. But sometimes lately, I've been thinking mm-hmm. that he's been throwing it so low and, and and erroring on the side of caution so much that his passes look off and like. Short and down into the ground when he's trying to find like Danny Amendola on a on a route out in the flat or somebody on a quick opener a quick hitter over the middle he he doesn't look as sharp to me. What what was your impression of that throw over the middle to Brandon Cooks that was uh, incomplete in the end zone?
1: Yeah, I, I had the same opinion as you at first when I when I saw it live. After after going back and watching it, it does look like if if Brandon Cooks had just kind of accelerated all the way through or not kind of stopped his route or or halted or whatever he did in the middle of the field he probably would have either caught the ball or at least had a much better chance of catching the ball so it's it's hard to tell how much of a lot of these throws are on Brady and how much are on his receivers because I don't think it helps that they don't really have any receivers who can make contested catches on this team right now I mean Rob Gronkowski obviously can so when when Brady's throwing to him he's he's not worried at all about kind of putting the ball where the where the defender has a chance to make a play on it because he knows that Gronk is a monster and is just going to come down with those balls more often than not but but on these throws to um to Brandon Cooks especially he's not a guy that's going to go up and win a battle in the air so I think after after the um the Miami game especially when he had two of those passes picked off that that maybe Cooks could have made a better play on the ball I think that's definitely kind of contributed to him maybe being a little more cautious with the, with some of these throws especially because I'm sure these last two games he was pretty confident that the patriots would would easily beat the bills and the jets so if if he's got to take either throwing the ball at a guy's feet or throwing up a ball that that could potentially get picked off for for what could be a game changing interception I think he's going to err on the side of caution there but yeah we definitely haven't seen the um the the deep ball proficiency that we saw even earlier this season, right. I mean, for the thir- for the first eight or ten weeks of the season, he was fantastic. It was it was the best we'd seen Brady at throwing the deep ball in in, in a long time, and he hasn't really looked like that uh, of late. But then you you also look at a, a game like the Pittsburgh game where he was dropping those absolute dimes to to Rob Gronkowski. So he still definitely has it. I'm I'm wondering. It it seems like there's a lot of factors contributing into it. Who knows if a if a week of rest, a week of health, will kind of get him back on his game? But yeah, it's definitely been. Um, that's definitely been a more of a trend than than you like to see going into the playoffs.
0: So, remember the third down pass where Danny it was an out pattern to Danny Amendola. Amendola mm-hmm. kept going straight, and he did. It was clearly a come. Brady thought it was a comeback, right beyond yep. like a button hook uh, comeback beyond the first down marker, and uh, they obviously got their lines crossed. And you saw Brady go nuts. I mean, for him, go nuts. Yeah. And he was very upset with Amendola. Those are the things you're, you're not as accustomed to seeing, especially with veteran receivers. I mean, look, Danny Amendola uh, has been around almost as long as uh, Julian Edelman, and you know he's, what, the third most veteran receiver behind uh, Edelman and Gronkowski on the roster. And when you think about that, uh, and I'm not including Matthew Slater, uh, when you think about that, mm-hmm. that is just something you're not used to seeing.
1: Yeah, overall and I think overall Amandola has been one of their more reliable, probably their most reliable receiver um this year with with Julian Edelman out. I know he hasn't been he hasn't kind of kept up that production that he had earlier this season, but he's still the kind of guy if if Brady needs a completion on on third down, it's usually either going to to Amandola or Gronkowski. But yeah, that play jumped out to me too, especially because if you watch the the replay, he stares at at Danny Amandola and they're they're signing Together, literally right before the snap, it looks like they're they're kind of calling a, a hot route or an audible right there right. at the line of scrimmage, and then seconds later, Danny Amendola just runs the wrong route, or it, he appeared to have run the wrong route. At least they had a, a miscommunication there, which is strange. You don't usually see that kind of uh, that kind of mix up between two veteran guys like that who've been playing together for so long. Yeah, that was definitely strange.
0: So uh, much was made uh, of the Jets going 0-for-12 on third down uh, on Sunday, and the Patriots deserve full marks uh, for their defense, and we'll get to that in a little bit. What wasn't talked about is the Patriots went 4-for-14. that to me that's alarming and yes as you said they didn't have three running backs and they don't in this game they didn't have chris hogan uh totally understand that uh and they were clearly protecting rob kronkowski with all of that factored in to go four for 14 against the jets on third down uh, to me that's a little bit of a uh, red flag
1: yeah it wasn't great i mean that whole uh, the whole third quarter i don't think there was a single first down by either team i think the Patriots might have got one right at the very end. But, yeah, the second half started off with, I think, five, uh, five three-and-outs in a row combined between the two teams. And that's kind of been an issue for the Patriots throughout this whole home stretch. I mean, they obviously had the game down in Miami where they went 0-for-12. And right. then even in Pittsburgh the following week, they were pretty bad on third down for most of the game. And, yeah, that's that's been an issue. I mean, I think part of it in this game, you can chalk up to the Patriots not going to Rob Gronkowski in situations Clearly. that they normally would go to Ron Gronkowski. Right. But yeah, it's, yeah, I, I'm interested to see once the playoffs come, once they get their kind of their full game plan, their full complement of players. Cause I think even over the last two weeks, they've really been kind of shying away from some guys in, in circumstances where they might not either, they're not playing them at all or just kind of going away from them in, in a potentially kind of, I don't want to call them dangerous situations, but just situations where you don't really need to throw to that guy yeah uh, it's definitely been a big weakness for, it's been a big positive for the defense uh, in the last couple of weeks but it's been a really big weak, weakness for the offense just that ability to convert on third down it's kind of similar to, to the struggles that we saw in the, in the red zone earlier in the year where they were getting down into the into the down, down to the 20 50 and 10 yard line pretty much every drive but couldn't convert now we're not really seeing too, too drastic of, of red zone issues but now yeah third down' has been a big problem for them lately.
0: Speaking with Zach Cox, Patriots writer for Nesson.com. Listen up, Hoops fans. Basketball season is back. And now that you your favorite hardwood heroes have returned to action, it's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to the test to win huge cash prizes every night playing one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. Choose from public contests with huge cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against your friends. They've even got beginner and casual contests where you'll play against people of similar skill level. The best part? You get to draft a new team each day. And drafting a team is arguably the best part of fantasy. The only thing better? Winning cash doing it. Just ask Dan from St. Louis or Jeremy from Austin. They both turned a $3 entry into 1000 bucks. Huge cash prizes and bragging rights await only at DraftKings. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com to play for free with your first deposit of your share of $10,000 in total prizes tonight. Do not wait. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com now to choose your lineup and you can seriously cash in tonight. That's code CLNS only at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. For details speaking with Zach Cox of Nesson.com does a terrific job, along with Doug Kide, covering the New England Patriots. And one of the things that uh, I really want to point out is your proficiency and uh, your authority on the sport of rugby. Why do I bring this up? <laughs> Nate Ebner, and there was nobody I followed more closely on Twitter when Nate Ebner was uh, in the 2016 Olympics uh, in Brazil than at Zach Cox Nesson. So tell us how uh, your interest and and your proficiency and your knowledge of rugby came to be, Zach.
1: Yeah, no, I've I've been I've been playing rugby since uh, my freshman year of college. Uh, played football all growing up and through high school but got to college wasn't uh wasn't talented enough at that to uh to, to play at the next level so switched over to rugby and i've I play, been playing that for the last the last 10 years it's it's a fantastic sport i really wish it was bigger in the um in the united states i do think it's it's trending in the right direction especially with it now being in the olympics the uh, nbc is really pumping a ton of money into into really promoting it and, and putting it on tv a lot but yeah, I I loved watching watching Nate Ebner and the rest of the uh, the U.S. team down in Rio last year. It was a shame they didn't do as well as um, as they probably should have. I think they came in ninth. they they went in, They went into the tournament. I think ranked fifth in the world, and I think they're currently still fifth or sixth. The, the U.S. is actually pretty good at uh, at sevens rugby, the the style they play in um, in the Olympics. But didn't have the greatest performance down there. But but yeah, no, it's it's a great time. I I highly encourage people especially football fans to to check it out if they uh if if they're in the market for a new sport because it's 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 a good one
0: so tell us why it's so unique or uh so special for Nate Ebner to be able to pull off what he did in the 2016 season mind you okay he played in the olympics he went right from, he went from olympic training to the olympics to training camp to a full NFL season to competing in the Super Bowl, that is what I'm quickly doing the math here. That's eleven months, ten months of nonstop training and and playing. That Basically. that is amazing.
1: Yeah, it's incredible, and it's really the training is is somewhat similar, uh, both being contact sports and whatnot. Right. But it takes a very different skill set to be to play sevens rugby at a, an international level than even it takes to be. Uh, a special team star in the NFL because he's in in the NFL for the Patriots. Nate Ebner running for maybe no more than ten, eleven seconds at a time on on the longest uh, kind of kick returns or punt right. returns. In rugby, you're you're sprinting for for basically it's seven the the way sevens is set up, it's seven minute half. So you're basically all out sprinting for seven minutes, you get a two minute break, and then you're all out sprinting for seven more minutes. So I'm very I was very impressed that he was able to do that and then transition right back into football pretty much I think it was like three days after the uh after the US was eliminated down in uh, down in Rio, he was back on the practice field for the Patriots. So I guess it's just a testament to his his kind of work ethic and the fact that I was surprised enough that that bill belichick even let him leave to compete i mean knowing that he had to have such a such a different training regimen from his teammates for so long and that rugby as a contact sport there's always a risk for for injury but he was he was able to do that and then turn in what was probably his his the best season of his career i mean he was he if it wasn't for matthew slater he would have been an all pro i think he finished one vote behind uh one vote behind slater for that and then you go and win a super bowl i mean it was uh it was quite the year for him and it's it's unfortunate for the patriots that he's he's not out there right now because of that injury he suffered what was that week week 10 i think it was yeah, the uh dolphin game the, maybe the dolphins game yeah i believe that's what yeah it was. it was it was kind of kind of uh an unfortunate twist for him that the first time in his career that he got to run the ball then he ends up tearing his acl and being out for the entire year but I mean, I, yeah I mean, no he's definitely uh yeah, <laughs> he's definitely a huge part of the Patriots. Pretty much every time you ask Slater or anybody else about um, about anything related to special teams, the, the first thing they bring up is that they're they're not nearly as good as they would be with with, with uh, Nate Abner in there. So, yeah, no, it's it's still pretty incredible what he was able to do last year.
0: Well, and the irony, like you said, is. He he's done all that running in rugby, and and he runs off right side. Now, I mean, there was some contact on the play on that fake punt, but essentially he made a cut and just tore his knee and tore his ACL. It's just uh, it's,
1: it's the worst. Yeah,
0: that's that's the worst part about these ACLs too is
1: that almost all of them you see are non-contact injuries. They're just kind of freak occurrences, and for that to happen on the the one time, I'm sure Bill Belichick's had the the Nate Ebner fake punt in his playbook for six or seven years and the one time they pull it out he he tears his acl it's just a, a terrible coincidence there
0: yeah I, i'm going to throw in a personal note here as a daughter who is torn both of her acls playing soccer it's it's just horrible seeing somebody go down like that whether mm-hmm. it's your own um you know daughter or family member or it's just a football player you know who is as hard working as we both know nate ebner is it just Sucks. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Let's move on to a brighter subject. And I had the privilege on Tuesday of kind of teeing one up, so to speak. And you'll see where I'm going with this uh, for Bill Belichick and special teams. And asking him about, uh, Rich Garvin <laughs> let off the conference call. Props to Rich for asking about Ryan Allen and his day on Sunday. But then I, I went a little, tried to go a little bit further about what has made Ryan Allen so, uh, this is a kid from Louisiana down south. What has made him so effective, um, as a punter? And, and Belichick, uh, as he is wont to do when it's special teams, uh, went off on about a seven minute, um, uh, disposition or, or or a um a
1: dissertation dissertation
0: yeah. thank you zach uh a dissertation <laughs> on what it is to be a great punter in the national football league and be one in new england and the reason i said set up on a tee uh, belichick said liking golf you know when he was answering my question he said <laughs> liking golf if it's just a hair off one way or another you can get a very bad result uh what did you think of what bill mm-hmm. had to say about ryan allen on uh on tuesday well, well, he's right that
1: he had a fantastic game. I mean, you see the Ryan Allen's blocked three punts. They were down at the 4-yard line, 4-yard line and 3-yard line, I think it was. Obviously, yes. Matthew Slater had a had an assist on two of those, but no, this is just this is one of my favorite things about Bill Belichick, the fact that he loves special teams more than pretty much anybody on this earth. I mean, that's that's the one thing that I say whenever whenever people ask me about kind of being in in press conferences with Bill Belichick like oh he never gives he never gives the media any answers he's always so tight-lipped about everything I was like just wait ask him about the the punter for the 1984 New York Giants and he'll talk your ear off for 15 minutes it's it's always hilarious uh hearing him go on these kind of lengthy I don't want to call it a tirade because that has a negative connotation but the fact that he'll just just ramble on for for seven eight minutes about about the intricacies of of punting and and where you where you drop the ball on your foot and how the wind has to factor into it. It's it's pretty it's pretty funny to hear and it's pretty insightful. I mean, I read back over his answer because I kind of zoned out in the moment there was anyway, getting lost in the weeds. But everything he says, he he knows his stuff. He he got to start as a as a special teams coach back in the what was it, late seventies,
0: right in seventy five. Definitely knows his
1: stuff. Definitely is Pat. Ta- Seventy-five, yeah, definitely is is passionate about it, and that's probably a, a big reason why the Patriots tend to have such good special teams units.
0: Now, uh, and I also saw your tweet, and I know we said this on uh, Dale and Holly on WEEI um, on Tuesday. And I ask this because uh, it is the season, as both SEC teams uh, won um, on uh, Monday in the uh, semifinal games with uh, Alabama uh, taking care of uh, in their revenge game against defending national champion Clemson, uh, and they'll take on SEC foe Georgia. What he said about Alabama coach Nick Saban was pretty uh, amazing. I probably learned as much or more from Nick as he learned from me during our years together in Cleveland. And that would have been 91 through, I believe, 95. He was there uh, pretty much the whole time. And mm-hmm. that just is a testament to how tight those two guys are, right?
1: Seriously, yeah. I mean, every time that – it seems like every every year around this time, the questions about, about Alabama and the, the college football world will come up. And I've never heard – Bill Belichick say anything say a single negative word about about Nick Saban. I mean, it's clear that he has immense respect for him and Nick Saban is basically Bill Belichick of college football over the last 20 years or so. Their their careers kind of diverted a little bit later. Obviously, Saban didn't have the the same kind of success in the NFL, but he's turned Alabama into an absolute juggernaut and I mean, the way that they just kind of demolished Clemson uh last night. It was a little disappointing after the uh The great game that we saw from from Oklahoma and Georgia but yeah it's it's every everything he says about about Nick Saban is you can tell that it it's true and it comes from the heart I mean I I know that you know that that Bill Belichick likes to kind of sometimes he'll he'll pump opponents tires a little bit uh more than they deserve but that's definitely not the case with Nick Saban he definitely has tremendous amount of respect for him.
0: All right, let's look ahead to the upcoming weekend because uh, everybody's going to be watching uh, here in New England. They're going to be watching the two uh, AFC uh, wildcard games. First of all, um, Buffalo, uh, thanks to Andy Dalton and Tyler Boyd, um, are going to be going to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars, and Tennessee uh, plays at Kansas City. So of the f- three teams the Patriots could play, Kansas City, Tennessee, Buffalo, who's the most likely opponent?
1: It's got to be Kansas City. I mean, I think the Patriots happen to be very happy with the way that this, the, the way that Week 17 shook out everywhere else uh, around the league. I mean, of those four wild card, uh, four teams in the wild card hunt and those in the entering this weekend, you could probably say that that the Chargers and Ravens were the two most dangerous. teams uh, of that group and now both of them most both of those teams are watching the playoffs from home i mean the bills are a team the patriots have beaten by 20 plus points twice this season the titans i think might be the worst team in the playoffs i mean marcus mariota has had a terrible year that team that's really benefited from playing probably the easiest schedule um in the nfl and the chiefs i i, I would like the patriots chances if the chiefs came back here even though they did beat them uh or the chiefs did beat them pretty uh pretty handily in week one but they've been very very inconsistent over the over the uh, the remainder of the season. I guess the the second two thirds of the season you could say, um, but yeah, I think they're they're hands down the um, the most likely team to come here for the divisional round because I can't see the Bills upsetting Jaguars, especially since they probably if they won't have LaShawn McCoy in this game, then Travaris Cadet, their backup, got. Uh, was he popped out his leg against the, the Patriots two weeks ago? Right. So they go down to some guy fee that I've barely even heard of, and I don't know. I, I just have a hard time seeing uh, seeing them them win in Jacksonville or Tennessee win uh, in Kansas City. So I think we're gonna get get a Patriots Chiefs round two, and I honestly have I'm pretty confident the Patriots are going to win that game handily too. Even though I mean, given what happened back in Week One, I just I can't see that happening again.
0: Well, and the irony, if that plays out the way we, we would expect, Kansas City um, you know, takes care of Tennessee at home and Jacksonville takes care of Buffalo, there are some fascinating rematches uh, in the divisional round setting up as uh, the Patriots would play, uh, get a rematch with the Chiefs. And Pittsburgh and Ben Roethlisberger would get a rematch with the team that he lost so badly to at home caused him to wonder Mm -hmm. maybe I just don't have it anymore remember that game with the Jacksonville Jaguars
1: yeah I think people forget about that game the fact that the for the first five or six weeks of the season people didn't think that the Steelers were very good Uh, they lost to the Jaguars and I mean I know I had I had Ben Roethlisberger on my fantasy team early in the season I just let him go I mean he was terrible early in the year but yeah they've they've really kind of turned it around and righted the ship then but i'm very very curious to see what we get out of this jacksonville team in the playoffs because blake Bortles is just such a wild card i mean he was playing pretty well for for three or four games before really just kind of he looked awful against against tennessee in that week 17 game i know they didn't have anything to play for but they were still playing most of their uh most of their actual players so i have no idea what to expect from him and Leonard fournette's been kind of inconsistent over the uh over the second half of the season defense is still awesome but can you win a game, or can you win a game or multiple playoff games with uh, with Blake Bortles as your quarterback? Who knows? It's gonna be it's gonna be crazy to see. I like the fact that there are some some new teams in the playoffs this year, though. It gets a little boring when you get the uh, get the same ones in here every year. I like seeing the the Titans first time since 2008, Bills first time since nineteen ninety nine, obviously, and then Jaguars were last in what two thousand seven? Oh, maybe yeah, they've been out for a while too. So yeah, uh, so yeah, that's it's gonna be exciting to see these guys uh, see how all these kind of New players, new faces handle the, the playoff stage here.
0: I got to tell you, the only team that um, has a chance of beating New England is the team that comes in and matches um, hit for hit and matches the mm-hmm. Patriots' physicality. Teams that play New England physical and play like they're not scared, they want to take it to New England. Those are the teams that have the, in history has shown, have the chance of beating the Patriots. The Ravens twice and the Jets In those three cases that the the Patriots have lost a playoff game at Gillette Stadium, the other team was more physical. And I very, very much believe that. And if you put Jacksonville um, at Gillette Stadium in a potential uh, AFC Championship game, in some ways that concerns me more than the Steelers. Now, the Steelers have a much... Uh, stronger offense and can put points on the board and people have always said if you're going to beat the Patriots you have to score with them I don't necessarily subscribe to that simply because of what I just said the teams that come in here and are able to really match the physicality of the Patriots to me have always had the best chance to win
1: no I, I
0: agree with that completely that's why I,
1: I would say that the, the the Jaguars could be a tough test for them I mean I know I just Basically, bash Blake Bortles for for two minutes, but I mean, you look at that Jets team that beat him in 2010. Mark Sanchez was a the right. quarterback there, and he's he's not going to be uh, earning any uh, any All Pro nods or anything like that. And even when you look at the games that they've lost on the road, those two the two championship games they lost in Denver, those were not high shooting or high flying games. I think one of them was 2018, the other was what 23 to 17. They were both yeah. pretty low scoring, defensive kind of games. So yeah, that's definitely the way to uh, the way. I mean, there's no real I, – I have a issue with people saying that there's a blueprint to beat the Patriots because the Patriots are pretty good at, at throwing off other teams' blueprints. But if there is one, it's be physical with them, hit Tom Brady, and, and that's the Jaguars are definitely a team that can do that.
0: And you got to run the ball. I mean, if you don't run the ball effectively yep. and um, at the right times against the Patriots and, and establish that run game, in my opinion, you have no chance of winning, but – We'll see how it yep. all plays out. Yeah, it's hard, sec- it's
1: hard to beat them with a one-dimensional with one, one dimensional offense.
0: Stay with CLNS all day on game day, starting with the CLNS Media New England Patriots pregame show with Alex Barth a half hour before every game. Then you can catch the postgame show with Marvin Ezon and Mike Mulano live after every single game. On CLNSMedia.com, subscribe to both on iTunes and Stitcher and YouTube now. Also, get daily team updates on the Patriots Newsfeed podcast with Tyler Trudeau, which is also available on the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show feed, available again on iTunes, Stitcher. YouTube, and the CLNS Media mobile app. Speaking of clnsmedia.com, check out the all-new CLNS Media website, clnsmedia.com. It's now the home of this podcast and over 40 other podcasts and vidcasts in the world of sports, finance, comedy, and lifestyles. We are very excited to have our show featured on the new CLNS Media website. Check it out now, clnsmedia.com want to thank Zach Cox of Nesson.com covering the Patriots. Zach, how can people follow you on social media and uh, also the Nesson.com website?
1: Yep, yeah, it's uh, on Twitter. I'm Zach Cox, Nesson, Z A C K, C O X N E S N. And uh, yeah, like you said, Nesson.com, uh, Nesson on Twitter, Nesson on Facebook. Um, all of my stories and, and uh, my colleague Doug Hyde's stories will be on there. So yeah, keep uh, follow us along for. for I think a lot of us think we'll be a lengthy playoff run, but uh, we'll see.
0: What Doug Kyde is to rock and roll, you, my friend, are to rugby. <laughs> you can tell Doug I, said I appreciate that, too. that. You bet. Thanks again for downloading. Uh, I will. I'll let him know. Thanks again for downloading today's Patriots beat. want to once again thank our guest, Zach Cox from Nesson.com. As he said, you can follow him on Twitter at Zach Cox Nesson. That's with uh, Z A C K C O X. N-E-S-N. You can also give us a follow at Patriots underscore Beat and at CLNS Media. Of course, you can give my own personal account a follow at Trags. Simple enough, T-R-A-G-S. Today's sponsor was DraftKings.com. For Patriots content manager, Mike Alonghi, CLNS Media executive producer, Larry H. Russell, and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. Thanks to everyone who tuned in. This is Mike Petralia, and this is the Patriots Beat Podcast Powered by CLNS Media. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of the CLNS Media Network, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice. And live on CLNS Radio, immediately after every single pass game, Calling at 929-477-2386, toll free, to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorrows of the day, Twitter posts for the plays of the game, and everything else that is going on with the five-time Super Bowl champion.